Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. I do think it will be a longer podcast today, but I do encourage you to please stay till the end because I have a sequence of information I want to give to you and I want to leave you with something to chew on that I think is very important. Um, I can't sugarcoat it. Today is a difficult day for those who cared about election integrity, and I understand that. Um, I understand that even saying the sentence I just said uh, could get me kicked out of the platform you're listening to me on. And so I would encourage you uh, to go to um, Rumble, and you can subscribe there uh, to the the video version of this podcast, uh, Conversations That Matter on Rumble. Uh, and the links are in the info section to many of my videos. Uh, you shouldn't have a problem finding it. Um, I'm going to get to why <laughs> that sentence could get me in trouble uh, later on in the podcast. Uh, but what I want to do is to, like I said, give you something to chew on. But I also want to encourage you because I know how many of you are feeling. And uh, I think it would be a normal reaction to feel some kind of uh, a depression or at least to, to be fighting that off. And as Christians... I want to emphasize the fact that uh, we always have hope, uh, we always have joy, because those things are rooted in eternity, and they cannot be taken away by temporary forces, physical forces. And that's one of the things that keeps us going. That's one of the things that has kept Christians throughout the centuries going uh, when they faced insurmountable odds. And I, I think it's important for Christians to know a little bit about their church history, to know about the martyrs. Uh, to know even about what's happening currently in places like um, communist China, uh, I, I just I think there's a lot we can learn um, because there are Christians who have had to face questions that we have had the luxury of not having to face. And believe me, we will be facing them. Some of us already have. And so um, the encouragement, though, is that Christ is with us in those things, that Christ is bigger than algorithms, technology, Christ is more powerful than those things. Uh, The nations rage. The people plot vain things. God laughs at them. And I don't want you to forget that, even when it might seem that the things that you rely on are crumbling around you. Now, that's not downplaying what's happening at all. In fact, I've given this this whole issue of uh, integrity in our elections a lot of focus and a lot of effort. And I've been thinking through, um, even before this all happened, some of the questions that I suspect most of you uh, are not ready for, uh, most pastors are not even probably ready for. And I've been trying to think about guests I could have on to talk about some of these things, um, special episodes. Uh, I haven't been able to get to all of that because the news cycle has just been so crazy. And I wanted to um, give you information on what you're seeing on an everyday basis when I can. But... All that to say, um, there are some questions that we're going to have to wrestle through, and I'm, I do have a concern for Christians uh, in general that many of us, uh, perhaps because we have not had to wrestle through some of these things or because some of the theology, uh, the teaching that we've been under has been inadequate or incorrect on some of these issues, um, we are going to have a difficult time navigating uh, jurisdictional issues. Um, uh, submission and what does that look like? Uh, a theology of force. Um, there's a, there's a lot of things. <laughs> there's a lot of things, and, uh, and 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 I'm not the Bible answer man on every subject or anything like that. Um, I'm not the history answer man either. I'm just I'm just a guy like you, 
who cares about uh, the church, who cares about this country, and I talk about it. And, um, and that's, you know, I, I've tried to give you helpful information, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. So what I want to um, go through today with you, first of all, is what happened in Washington, D.C. I, I was not aware of what happened inside the Capitol until very late last night. Uh, I was at the rally until about 3.30 and was not aware about anything that was coming out uh, on social media. And so um, I, I have, I have a, maybe a unique perspective in that I was part of the rally and I, um, I was surprised to see some of the things that I saw. Uh, violence of any kind um, in this particular situation needs to be, uh, I think, condemned. And I do condemn uh, any kinds of violence, including the, um, the Capitol policeman who unfortunately shot a young woman to her death as she had a SWAT team behind her um, and she was not directly threatening uh, this officer's life. It was, it was an interesting, I, I was surprised to see that. Um, she's the only one that I know of that was actually killed in the, uh, the situation that unfolded uh, in the Capitol itself. Um, I've, I've heard that three others died, but I think they were medical related. I mean, you have a crowd that's over a million people, you're gonna have some deaths. So I, I'm not sure those weren't directly related to violence, it sounds like. But um, I want to go through and I want to um, share with you my experience, uh, what I saw, and uh, some of it you have not heard from the mainstream media, that's for sure. And I'm going to give you some observations uh, that really poke a hole in the narrative that is being woven right now, uh, being weaved right now. And it, it disturbs me. This is probably the fifth time in my life I've been at an event or in a situation and saw the media completely spin it and leave out things that they should have covered, um, et cetera. And so I want to take you through this from the beginning. I arrived about 10.50. You can see my pictures there. Um, big crowd. I mean, amazing crowd as far as the size. Uh, you have a picture looking at the Washington Memorial from the middle. Then you have one I'm uh, at the Washington Memorial or closer to it looking down. You have kind of in the crowd. But, I mean, this crowd was probably about a million people. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, it extended to the White House itself. You couldn't even see most of it. Um, and uh, the people, for the most part there, were very um, respectful. Uh, I, I didn't see litter, really. I, I saw people trying to put it even near the garbage can after the garbage cans were filling up. Uh, people were angry. There's no doubt about that. But Trump didn't incite that. People were already angry. Uh, there were a few um, crass things that I saw, flags, banners, uh, some chants. Um, but it, it certainly did not characterize the crowd. It was certain elements within the crowd. And I did not see any violence whatsoever. Um, people, when Trump was speaking, it was hard to hear him, but people were, were hanging on his every word or trying to. It was very hard to hear him. Um, I, I, from what I did hear, he sounded calm, cool, collected, but angry, uh, and rightfully so. And he went through some of the fraud um, allegations and, uh, and really the proof um, and did a very good job. And um, I, will, I will say this kind of take this detour real quick and just let you know uh, there were many in in higher positions were hoping the president because he is aware uh, was going to mention what happened in Italy and he did not and there's a reason for it and I'll leave it there um, 
but I think there's going to be some things coming out, especially within the next few days that you want to keep your eye on, uh, perhaps the next few weeks. But all that to say, um, there, without that, uh, there was certainly um, enough evidence uh, that the president threw out there of uh, massive um, uh, fraud, if I can still use that term. And I'm again, I'm for YouTube, I'm reporting what the president said because <laughs> uh, I was there. So in the middle of the, I should say not in the middle, but at, towards the end of the speech, people started streaming out, which didn't seem to diminish the crowd size, ironically. Um, it, it just people that were on the edges were able to get better viewing positions of the president's speech. So, but people kept streaming out and marching to the Capitol because there was supposed to be a rally at the Capitol at one o'clock. And so um, the president was still speaking. Um, and, and, you know, I remember looking at my, my phone and being like, well, there's no way we're getting to the Capitol by one. We probably left around one from the president's speech. And by then, I, I found out now, I didn't know at the time, I didn't know till later, but uh, that Mike Pence, uh, before the president was even done speaking, had already put out a statement basically saying that, um, you know, he doesn't have the right to change the vote count, which the president never asked him to do. The president was very clear to give time uh, to the states to um, figure out uh, the, the, the situation uh, as far as um, fraud is concerned, to kick it back to those states in question so that they could then uh, recertify or decertify, etc. And uh, Mike Pence, his, his statement was upsetting because he, he kind of mischaracterized what the president even wanted him to do. And, I, and I assuming, I'm assuming now people were starting to um, get that message. Uh, in the audience uh, that was starting to percolate. People were starting to um, uh, rumors uh, about it, or at least the news was being passed around. Uh, and and then uh, as we were walking on, um, I guess that would have been Pennsylvania Avenue, we walked past the Department of Justice. And I, I have some things I want to show you um, concerning this. this. This has not been reported, but this was interesting to me. Um, check out this video. So that was the situation in front of the Department of Justice. Now, I'll tell you about something that I did not catch that explains some of this uh, on camera. So right, I was passing by, and we were just going to keep walking. But as we were walking, 
I noticed out of the corner of my eye, I looked up and you, you saw in the video, there was a window there. There were two people that looked like they might have been like joking and laughing, taking pictures of the audience, right? Who worked in the Department of Justice. The window right underneath them, um, there was a female who poked her head out. So she wasn't behind the window. She actually poked her head out and she had her phone so you could see her. That's what I think caught my eye was uh, her movement in, in poking her head out. And then she flipped off the Trump supporters. Now, that was when I saw things start to heat up a little more. Uh, and I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I was stunned that someone who would be that brazen, who works in the DOJ, would just stick their head out and do that. And I don't know that anyone caught it on camera. It was um, kind of at a level that no one was really watching. And it was so quick. And um, a crowd formed there. Um, and I think there was already some people that were kind of chanting and stuff, or, or they, they were standing there at least. And that, after that happened, though, um, more people gathered and started saying, do your job, right? And then you saw those three security personnel come out. The one in the white shirt was smirking um, at the crowd. And it was, it was obvious. I mean, he had a mask on, but you could tell he's just smirking, smiling at the crowd, kind of, but in a, in a very condescending kind of way. It just, I don't know how to describe it because it was just, it was obvious from being close up that you could tell. And it just made the crowd, I think, even more angry that this is, you work for us. We pay your salary to, and, and you've shirked your responsibility in this situation. You're not, um, justice is, I mean, it's a joke. You're, you're not prosecuting any of this. And, and then to get, um, so rudely treated, just marching down the street. So this hasn't been talked about at all, but that was part of my experience being at the rally. Um, and then uh, we, we eventually get down to the Capitol. By then, I'm, I had a, a, someone called me, and it was hard that day. There's so many people. I, I guess that's the reason. It was hard to even get phone calls and text messages. But someone called me and got through and said, hey, they've stormed the Capitol. And I thought, what do you mean they stormed the Capitol? And he's saying, well, CNN's reporting it or, or some, some news outlet. And I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was shocked a little bit to hear that. I'm like, they have security over there. I mean, I heard ahead of time that the National Guard was supposed to be called out. Um, in fact, I had it confirmed later from someone I trust uh, that Donald Trump specifically had asked that morning that the National Guard um, be providing security, et cetera. So that's, that's at least what I've been told. So uh, we, we get there and... Um, and this is, I'll show you some of the video and pictures, and then I'll explain what I witnessed. So you can see there on the left side, there's the security from the DOJ. And then um, here's the Capitol. And you can see some people um, on uh, by this uh, statue flying their flags. You can see uh, on the scaffolding there, there's a big American flag. That's right before I think we left. Um, and, and so here's the situation. I'm going to just paint the picture for you uh, so you can understand what was taking place on, in our slice of the pie um, where we were. So I get there uh, to, to the Capitol, and uh, as I'm walking, this is important, remember this, I see um, a street over, there's a number of police cars lined up and lights and stuff. I noticed it. And I was wondering, this, I really, I did have this thought, where are the police? Where are the, the, the Capitol Police? There were hardly any there. So we get there and on, there's people on the, on the left side, which is where I was, there's people on the lawn there. And one of the ladies told me, 
uh, who was um, in the, at the rally, that the police had just let people in. And so that's what people like myself and many others who are uh, care about the election, um, they were under the impression that this was something that the police had just allowed people to come in. Uh, and I'm not saying to the building itself. I never saw any of that. Um, I didn't even know about that until someone had said something in the crowd that there were people in there, but I didn't know anything about what was happening there or anything. But when we were, those who were outside, the vast, the, the, the huge crowd outside, uh, hundreds of thousands of people at least, um, they, they had no knowledge of any of that. They were just outside waving their flags, saying things like chanting, stop the steal, that kind of thing. Uh, I did uh, see um, by the uh, scaffolding there on the left side, there were some people trying to get around when I initially got there, some security guards, uh, or I should say Capitol Police. I didn't see any pushing or punching or anything like that. They were just trying to get on the into the um, outer rim of the Capitol. And, and that's kind of where I thought it ended. They, because no one was moving. Everyone got to, eventually they, everyone, uh, or a lot of people, uh, shuffled into that outer rim and they were just waving their flags and chanting and probably hoping that the senators and congressmen could hear them. Uh, one of the, one of the things, and, and I, I thought this, um, many people have told me that it gets discouraging trying to call or email or write letters to your representatives because you'll get a voicemail or you don't get anything back or you don't feel like they've heard your, uh, your complaint. And so you vote for people and then you don't feel like they represent you. And I, I do think that that was the primary motive of people who were there. They wanted people to hear them outside. You're, you know, you're debating this. You're, this is the election we're talking about. And we want you to know we don't want this, this fraudulent, uh, in their minds, um, election uh, stamped with approval. We don't want this passing. This is wrong. That's, that, I think that's how they felt. Now, what escalated the situation were a few things, I think, a little bit. And when I say escalate, I didn't, again, I didn't see any violence where, where I was. Um, it just, it was just people were more passionate and really this is kind of when there was a few people that were trying to get around these Capitol police. I think it became more people that said, we're going to get up there when the Capitol police, uh, <laughs> they, they threw a bunch of, um, uh, tear gas and smoke bombs, etc., something of that nature, uh, into the audience that was peaceful. In other words, it wasn't the, the few people who are near the scaffolding trying to get around. Um, they, they just launched them into the yard. And that was, I think, a shock to everyone because, like I said, the crowd was under the impression that the, the and, and again, I didn't arrive there when we first started. So those who had arrived there thought that, oh, they, uh, the, the rumor going around the crowd was, oh, the police let us into this, um, the people who were there into this grassy area. And that's where they launched. These, these, this tear gas of I being mean, poorly executed to do that to an audience that is prim primarily peaceful. I, I didn't see, like I said, I didn't see anything happen uh, that would have um, suggested violence in, in my slice of the pie. And that made them more angry and more willing to uh, get or try to go around the few Capitol Police who were there, which is really, I think, what happened. It was it, the Capitol Police kept retreating. It was a series of retreats. I didn't see them pushed or punched or anything like that. They just kept re going back. Because there were there weren't enough of them, there were too many Trump supporters uh, who and and I'm going to get to the fact that there might not have they might not have all been Trump supporters, but there there were Trump supporters there, okay, and there were there were too many of them. I mean, I think 20 Trump supporters would have been too many for this group. <laughs> there just weren't a lot of police where I where I was. So again, um, 
I saw that I saw police as I was coming in on on the street. I don't know where they were. I don't know why there weren't more police. I don't know why the National Guard wasn't there. You have a huge crowd. I mean, you have a crowd that big. You're going to have some rowdy uh, individuals in any crowd that size. So why in the world uh, is the security not there? I do not know. I do not know. Um, and as I was leaving, because uh, I, I left around 3.30, 4.30, I'm on the road, I noticed a SWAT team, uh, probably four or five vans, police escort, and I could see them right in front of me, SWAT, you know, didn't say SWAT, but it, they were all in riot gear, and they're going towards the Capitol. And I remember thinking, why at 4.30? What's going on at 4.30? I mean, I thought, you know, if if what I had, the phone call I received, uh, you know, was true, the and the barricade, you know, was taken down or whatever, and people were inside the Capitol, I don't know exactly what time that was, you would have thought they would have been there. They they would have been there before number one. But if they were responding, they would have been there at like one thirty, two, you know, at the latest. So I thought, why four thirty? Why was it allowed to go that long if people weren't supposed to be there? And that was um, that was something I didn't have an answer to. And this morning, I think I'm starting to figure out what might be the case uh, on this as I'm looking at other um, videos and reports and images, etc. So, so that's more or less my slice of the pie. That's what I witnessed. Um, I saw peaceful Trump supporters, um, angry Trump supporters, but I didn't see violence of any kind. Uh, and uh, and that's, um, that's just what I witnessed. So when I put the status up last night, uh, I, I did not have the knowledge of some of the videos that some of you have been watching. So from where I stood, this is as rowdy, if you want to call it that, as it got. And that's all most people could see. So, um, so here's here's uh, what has uh, been been seen now on Twitter and places like that, social media. Some of the videos that are coming out. Um, this, and I'm not even sure exactly. This may be the front of the Capitol. I'm assuming. I'm not sure. Uh, this this I think though it must have been before I arrived. Even if I was in that area, I'm not even sure I was in this area, but. Um, here's one of the videos. Police are squabbling with protesters. Oh, there we go. It, does that look like... Watch that. And they just reached the Capitol again. Now, look. <laughs> here's some ladies standing by drinking their McDonald's um, beverage. And you can see the police here um, just walking. They're not even running to to go to a um, a second uh, location to to stand up. They they don't seem even that worried about it. Now I know there there was some squabbling going on. Uh, I'm not even sure if it was here, but there there was a barrier where you had um, some protesters go up to it and they were going back and forth with the police. Uh, the police you know grabbing the barrier, the protesters grabbing the barrier. Um, I'm not sure if this is the same one, but this is what I wanted to focus on. Why, why are the police just kind of lackadaisically walking away? They're not running. Uh, they, in fact, some of the protesters are moving past them. They're letting the protesters move right past them um, as if they don't care. And then, I mean, it, it's, and then here's some people that are already in it. They're already in that inner area. So 
I don't understand this. And this might have been part partially why some people believe that they were permitted to go in there because of how easy whoever this front group was, it was for them to to get in. Uh, you have what four policemen there? <laughs> Three? No, four no, five. We have five policemen. And you see probably okay, six, maybe six policemen. There's not many. <laughs> and you see, you know, a, a crowd of people behind them. So um it looks like they're under some kind of orders, and I don't know what those would be, but to, to make it look like this isn't a big deal that people are coming in. Um, this is, now, I did not know about any of these, but this is these are some of the videos from inside the Capitol. Uh, here's a policeman, and look, there's one policeman. One policeman? And you've got a whole crowd here, and no one's hitting him. Now, there there is a video uh, of, of some people um, briefly going at it with police that I saw. Um, it's kind of short-lived. Um, but th- th- here's the question I have there. Why is there one guy? And who's the dude with the camera? Why isn't he helping this guy? One guy who just keeps retreating? I don't get it. I don't get it. You got a crowd that size, you're going to have a, a, some rowdy people. Even if, look, if you have 500,000 people and all you, all you, you know, let's say you have 50 people in that crowd who are really obnoxious and rowdy. Um, that's all it would have taken for this. Here's another one. This is inside the Capitol. There's a leader of the press. No big deal. Inside the Capitol. This guy gets a selfie with the police officer. They're talking to the police. The police are just standing around there. He's getting a selfie with this police officer. Why? Why in the world is that going on inside the Capitol? If this is such a, a serious thing, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know. This, something's wrong with this whole situation. Here's uh, the Trump protesters, his CNN, storm the U.S. Capitol. Now, I want you to look at this. Is this a storming? Guy looks like he's on a tour, <laughs> walking around. Oh, look at all the statues in here. And the police are just following them. No big deal. I don't get it. I don't get it, guys. Um, here's a, a, a reporter. I watched this video. I won't show it to you. A Cyrus Sanati, something like that. But anyway, he does this whole, he's got a British accent. He does this whole thing about how these dangerous protesters are flooding into the Capitol. But he's with them the entire time, not afraid for his life at all, following them, uh, next to them. So it just, it struck me as just funny that you know he's making them out to be so dangerous. Now, um, here's the deal: uh, there were some pictures that were posted. I don't know by who of uh, that I saw, and I, I'm limited to what I've seen. I haven't seen everything, but um, there were some pictures of some Senate chambers, I guess, that were the papers were strewn around and stuff. You know, papers were files were were ripped open and stuff like that, and papers were on the ground. And that is absolutely wrong. It should be condemned, and it is condemned, and I condemn it. And uh, pretty much all of conservative media condemned it, uh, people going into the Capitol uh, in general. Um, there was a young lady who, who died, and, and that was absolutely tragic and horrific. I think it probably could have been avoided, and it's a very sad situation. I, I um, it's just a horrible thing that this took place. It's horrible that anyone went in there and, and it was not, a, it was a horrible idea. Now, um, it should be condemned. If a police officer is, is 
telling you not to go in or at least showing you shouldn't go in uh, to some place and you're a law-abiding crowd, uh, you should not go past that police officer. I want I want you to hold that thought though. I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna keep going through this, and I, I am leading up to something. I want you to hold that thought. I because I, I what I just said I totally agree with. I think it was wrong. It was it was horrible uh, that anyone even went in there. But you see how this is being treated by the police in the Capitol, at least in some instances. And it's very curious to me why they were so understaffed and so lackadaisical uh, with allowing people in. So. You don't, even, you don't even see them yelling instructions in some of these. Now, here's the, the question um, that's been on Twitter today. Uh, the, the Twitter people who have not been blocked yet uh, was Antifa part of this. And I tried to take these pictures from Twitter, uh, from, from sources that I consider to be more reliable. Um, there, there were some, like, for instance, this guy with this crazy hat. Uh, some people said uh, that he was Antifa, but it doesn't look like he actually was. I, I mean, I don't know, but... Um, it seems like that was uh, kind of a stretch, uh, but but anyway, this these were two guys that I guess through facial recognition software or something, uh, someone had pointed out uh, these these look like they're Antifa. At least the question exists. Um, Washington Times put an article out there. Facial recognition firm XR Vision claims Antifa infiltrated Trump protesters who stormed Capitol. Uh, here and and here's the video I want to show you guys. This shows that there's something to this claim. Um, first, we're going to watch. Here's an interview with a supporter uh, of the um, Stop the Steal. This is what he said. Hi there. Uh, this guy saw what just happened. Uh, he claims that it was Antifa dressed as Proud Boys. So I wanted to sort of get his Trump story. supporters. Trump supporters. They were dressed as Trump supporters. But I could tell by their conversation that they were looking to do. And I heard him say, we got to shake this up so that these people look bad. And I saw them break a window on the Capitol. I'm an emergency management coordinator in uh, Lehigh County, Pennsylvania. And these people were talking amongst themselves. And I was standing and listening behind them what they could do to make Trump's people look bad. Okay. He goes on. There, there's there been a few videos like this that have been surfacing. I'm sure suppressed on social media. Uh, one guy saying he saw vans pull up. I don't, I don't have any confirmation because I don't have any video of the vans. But here's what was taken. Check this out. So you got a guy with Trump on his hat trying to beat in a window at the Capitol. Got Trump on his hat. People are pointing. Hey, no, that's Antifa. You hear them in the audience. And then a Trump supporter comes and basically takes him out. That's some violence that happened that we didn't see. A bunch of Trump supporters taking out this Antifa guy who's damaging the Capitol windows there. Um, so to what extent were what was Antifa in the crowd trying to stir up trouble? I don't know. I mean, there's we're certainly. Trump supporters that made their way into the Capitol. I don't think anyone denies that. But was it just Trump supporters or was there? And here, here's the thing that I want you to understand. Was there a combination of, uh, of ingredients that went into this um, <laughs> souffle that uh, tasted horrible to all of us? And we, we all were shocked seeing it. Was there a combination of ingredients? Was it the fact that the police had some kind of, for whatever reason, um, sense that they should stand down in so many instances? Was it the fact that they were understaffed, even though the National Guard should have been there uh, in such an important day? Um, 
Was it the fact that there were troublemakers and anarchists and Antifa people in the uh, crowd trying to stir things up? Uh, was it was it a bunch of those things? And was it the fact that Trump supporters were extremely angry, some of them, and angry enough uh, to feel as though this is their last recourse to be heard, to try to make it to the chamber to say, please stop this deal. And that's exactly what you heard. When If you go watch the videos of when um, debate was interrupted, you hear a protester in the background. He just shouts, stop the steal. Um, so that's, that's what I assert, that this was a combination of a number of factors. And I don't excuse any of the Trump supporters who went in there. They shouldn't have. If they were, if, if they were uh, especially in the front of that line and they saw that they, weren't, they were in an area they weren't supposed to be and they knew it, they shouldn't have been there. I can't speak for all of those who uh, were in areas that they um, they were under the impression were okay to be in. I can't speak for them. But for those who went in the Capitol, pretty obvious you shouldn't be in there, especially if police are, um, you'd think at least, you'd think. I don't know. Maybe if you're behind and you're walking in and you're looking around and the police aren't doing anything, maybe you think you can be. I don't know. Pe- people always not, aren't always necessarily that smart, especially in a big crowd like that. You have all kinds of IQ levels, guys. So... Um, I don't uh, excuse though, and any of that uh, of, of willfully going against uh, the instructions and the um, obvious uh, perimeter a policeman is putting up. Uh, that was wrong. Uh, it was wrong uh, in the one clip uh, where I did see some uh, some police and Trump supporters looking like or or Antifa dressed as Trumps of I don't know which or a combination where they're fighting uh, for a, a few seconds. Uh, that's wrong. It shouldn't have happened. I don't believe. But I'm going to tell you why it's wrong at the end. More. I'm working towards it. It's very important we get the why right in this. Why? Uh, if we don't, we're going to we're going to be um, taken advantage of by the left. And that's exactly what's happening. And I'm going to show you some examples of it. So let's keep going here, though. Um, Another, this was weird. I'm just going to throw this out there. It's really weird. I I confirmed this this morning. NPR at 9.30 a.m. yesterday posted this story. Trump supporters storm U.S. Capitol clash with police. This was at 9.30 a.m. yesterday. Why in the world was this story up at 9.30 a.m. on January 6th? I don't know, guys. <laughs> Something seems fishy, though. I don't know what else. To, oh, I don't think you can see it. Let me pull it up for you. Here you go. Now you can see it. And you, you can go check unless they've changed it now. But this morning at uh, 11 o'clock when I pulled this up, it still said yesterday at 9.30 a.m. Trump supporters storm U.S. Capitol clash with police. Why was that headline and that story? Why did they exist at 9.30 before these events took place? Uh, some more uh People thinking they found evidence of some BLM uh, or Antifa infiltration. You can see this guy's with a Black Lives Matter group, and it looks like it's the same guy who's... Now, look, you got to understand, at big events like this, you there's a certain crowd, and many if you've ever been to political events, you know exactly what I'm talking about, if they're big. Uh, there's a certain kind of crowd that just likes to cause trouble, and anarchists, troublemakers, just they like to be a part of a big crowd and be a part of something. Um, and that might explain why some of these pictures exist of the, it looks like the same guy at a BLM rally uh, and at the um, uh, inside the Capitol at this uh, Trump uh, uh, and, and stop the steal uh, thing. So um, here, here's what I, I, I want to take you through this before we get to the end here. Here's a comparison I want to draw here because this is, this is very important. This is, I think, going to help us understand 
why a minute ago I said the motive, the why uh, is very important. We got we, we can condemn and we should condemn uh, those who went past police barriers um, willfully, knowingly, uh, and we need we need to do that. But we need to know why we're doing it. And comparing it to this is going to help us a little bit. Here's some images, just a few. I want to jog your memory and go back to last May, May 31st, May 30th, uh, June 1st, and this was in Washington D.C. Now we could have picked how many cities across this country? Many, but let's just pick the city that you know the events of yesterday were in, Washington D.C. There's a picture of the nation's capital on fire in every direction. May 31st, 2020. Fires everywhere. Um, there is There are people there graffitiing stuff. I didn't see any graffiti yesterday. I didn't see any. Uh, now, I think there was some uh, some minor vandalism. It was vandalism. It should be condemned. It was wrong. It shouldn't have happened. There was some, I think some people ripped off Nancy Pelosi's, uh, her name tag or whatever that was on the um, uh speakers uh i don't know what you call it where, where the gavel is and stuff that platform but um but it doesn't even compare if you wanted to compare and this isn't you know two things can both be wrong but if we have a sense of proportion we're going to look back at this guy who's stomping on a police car uh and crowds graffitiing things uh robbing banks uh looting and burning uh stores um, indiscriminately. I mean, what did that store do to them? What did that bank do to them? You, this is what we saw um, just a few months ago. It wasn't that long ago. It's not ancient history. And so what happened at that time? I want to remind you. Here's what many on the left said. Here's Alexandria um, Ocasio-Cortez. The whole point of protesting is to make people uncomfortable. And she said this, this is, uh, I guess, as late as December 2nd. 2020. Activists take that discomfort with the status quo and advocate for concrete policy changes. Um, popular support often starts small and grows. To folks who complain protest demands uh, make others uncomfortable, that's the point. So um, here we have uh, Chris Cuomo, who works for CNN. Here's what he said. Now, too many see the protests as the problem. No, the problem is what forced your fellow citizens to take to the streets, persistent and poisonous inequities and injustice. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. There's the left just a few months ago. Here's uh, another video. That there are protests still happening in yeah. major cities across the United States. I just not seeing the Senator reporting on Harris. it that I, that right, I had that's right. for the first few weeks. That's um, right. But they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's, they're not, this is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop. And, and everyone beware because they're not going to stop. It is going to, they're not going to stop before election day in November and they're not going to stop after election day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels that this isn't, they're not going to let up and they should not. And we should not. They, they should not let up. They should not let up. Uh, I mean, this is unreal. Can you imagine if Rush Limbaugh got on and said, you know what? <laughs> whole point of protesting is to make people uncomfortable and said what AOC said or what Chris Cuomo said or what Senator Harris said. Um, here's the New York Times. Another comparison. Uh, July 29th, 2020. Uh, peaceful protesters with room for rage sympathize with aggressive tactics. Hmm. In Portland, Oregon. Here's the New York Times on January 7th, 2021. Front page. Trump incites mob, rampaging capital, forces evacuations. It's part of his legacy, a Republican says. In full front page. 
Isn't that interesting? Unjust weights and measures and no sense of proportion. The SBC got into it. Here's Russell Moore. This mob attack on our capital and our constitution is immoral, unjust, dangerous, and inexcusable. What has happened to our country is tragic and could have been avoided. Baptist Press, uh, Southern Baptist leaders condemn storming of U.S. Capitol. Here's Al Mohler. What we are seeing in Washington now is the refutation of our American commitment, a form of unleashed anarchy, which is the enemy of ordered liberty. And President Trump is responsible now for unleashing mayhem. Pray that God will rescue, uh, I guess he, he, it's a typo, us from this. Um, th that has so many problems with it. <laughs> President Trump did not incite this. Uh, that's one of the problems. I'm, I'm going to read the, the last one and then we'll go through some of this. Uh, J.D. Greer, peaceful, peaceable transitions of power have marked our republic since the beginning. It is part of honoring and submitting to God's ordained leaders, whether they were our choice or not. We need you, POTUS, to condemn this mob. Let's move forward together, praying for safety. Now, I want to ask a question. Did any of these guys condemn the Black Lives Matter Antifa mobs that burned up significance, I mean, real vandalism uh, of businesses, etc., all over the country. Um, and it was, it was the whole entire, you know, it was, it, in many cases, that's what the people were out to do. In this case, you have the, the majority of people, I, I didn't even know any of the stuff going on inside. But in those cases, it was, it, it, people were going out and looting for that purpose. Did these guys condemn it at that time? Did they call on liberal leaders? Uh, you must, uh, you know, make your people stand down. This is horrible. Uh, this is, you know, the, we're a threat to democracy, etc. cetera. Um, did they blame? Did they, they play the blame game? Um, say that, uh, actually, many of them did. They did blame President Trump for that, too. If anything happens, it's President Trump's fault, I think. Uh, but President Trump um, actually condemned this stuff. Uh, he, he said, go home. We want peace, peaceful protests. Uh, this, we don't want people in the Capitol. Respect the police. That's who we are. Uh, and guess what happened? Twitter took it down. So Al Mohler is being, this is, this is just untrue. What he is saying about the, pre the president is not responsible for unleashing mayhem at all. Quite the contrary. You know who's actually responsible more than anyone else? Whoever was not prepared at the Capitol or purposely not prepared at the Capitol, um, I would say uh, those who were behind um, fraud, uh, certifying fraudulent uh, votes, that kind of thing, those would be the people that are more responsible for this. But it's somehow the president's fault, even though uh, Twitter has taken down his condemnation of uh, any violence. Isn't that interesting? Here's what the North American Mission Board uh, video that was put out uh, earlier this year. This dovetails with the Black Lives Matter protests that happened. And I want you to listen to this. It sounds a lot like CNN. Yeah, rioting makes sense. It's not right, but it makes sense, especially when you, you take into account the fact that everybody, when pushed to a certain limit, mm -hmm. is going to respond, especially if we don't have the Holy Spirit, especially if we don't have emotional tools to know how to respond. Eventually, everybody can get to the point where you're going to rage out yeah. and where outrage is all you have left. Right. Right. And so I think that statement definitely he's he's he's, he's looking okay, at the question. Truth. Why? Why doesn't that apply to what happened yesterday in the mind of these guys? Um, here here's a comparison for you. <laughs> Russell Moore. This is what he said on Ferguson. Remember what happened in Ferguson in 2014? Here's Russell Moore. The violent scenes from Ferguson, Missouri, are not what most Americans expected to see in 2014 America. The simmering tensions in this town 
following the shooting of an unarmed teenager ought to remind the body of Christ of our responsibility to model reconciliation in Christ. We don't yet know everything about what's happened or is happening in Ferguson, but here's what we do know. Michael Brown was shot and killed by police Saturday. Protests in the wake of this horrible death have been met with a virtually militarized response from law enforcement in the area. So does that sound like the same level of concern? Nope, not not even close. Um, in fact, seems like he's taking more the side of the uh, those that he admits are responsible for violent scenes. Something you didn't really get. Uh, the violence that was that existed yesterday was mostly from the, the lady who was shot. Uh, there were there was some uh, there was a scuffle uh, between some Trump supporters uh, and uh, the police. At one point, there was um, uh, some tear gas thrown. Um, not worthy of comparison to what happened in Ferguson, but look at the way that Russell Moore treated that and the way he's treating this. Here's Albert Moeller, um, and I, if you, you can go and look at this on Thursday, June 18th, 2020, a sentence or a movement, a look at Black Lives Matter. You know, and this is right while certain cities are, the smoldering embers are rising. And he's saying, you know, let, let's have a nuanced, let's, let's look at this in a nuanced way and have a discussion about it. Is he treating what happened yesterday that way? Is it just a nuanced thing we need to understand and have a philosophical talk about? Nope. How about J.D. Greer? Remember this when he said um, in June 11th, I mean, still smoldering embers. Remember, Black Lives Matter is a gospel issue. You know, you know we don't endorse the organization, but we can proudly say Black Lives Matter is a gospel issue. Well, why, why doesn't he say, well, you know, we don't endorse the, the, the people who went into the Capitol yesterday, but we can say that uh, stop the steal is a gospel issue or something like that. I mean, that wouldn't even be quite equivalent, but, but you get the point. Um, these guys have complete double standards. And, and here's the interesting thing. Those who knew about this, who uh, about some of the, the things that happened inside the Capitol, like Mark Levin uh, here, but it was pretty much all of conservative talk radio, etc. They said things like this. Those who breached the Capitol building and committed acts of violence have done grave damage. Uh, I think I cut it off in, in many ways, I think is what he said. This will all need to be sorted out, the violent from the peaceful, but the violent must be punished. The media must be careful not to paint everyone with the same broad brush, but make no mistake, perpetrators must be punished. This was universal. Conservative voices universally were against the violence and said so. They didn't try to nuance it. They didn't. This, that's what happened yesterday. I'm, I'm getting, now I'm finding out about this. Now, I want. I told you I was leading you up to something. Um, I want to you to ask the question, why would people go in there? This is a person who was inside the Capitol. And this is, I have no reason to believe this is an Antifa person. This looks like just a legitimate, uh, you know, Trump supporter. And who, I don't know if he was part of anything. I, I don't know. I don't know what he did or didn't do, but here's what he said. Uh, let's see if we can play it. Can you just start with your first and last name and where you're from? Yeah, I'm Thomas Barani from New Jersey. Can you show us your hand? Yeah. How did you get that on your hand? Well, we had uh, stormed into the, the chambers inside, and there was a young lady who rushed through the windows. A number of police and Secret Service were saying, get back, get down, get out of the way. She didn't heed the call, and as we kind of raced up to grab people and pull them back, they shot her in the neck, and she fell back on me and started to say she was fine, it's cool. And then she started kind of like moving weird, and blood was coming out of her mouth and neck and nose, and I don't know if she's alive or dead anymore. How did you get back out of the building? Uh, riot, riot police came in and started ushering us out with their, their sticks. Where did you enter the building and where did you exit? 
other side with the scaffolding. We tore through the scaffolding through flashbangs and tear gas and blitzed our way in through all the chambers, just trying to get, get into Congress or whoever we could get into and tell them that we need some kind of investigation into this. And what ends up happening is someone might have ended up dead. And that's not the kind of government we can have. People have to do something about it. I can't. If you need any help at all, EMS is right there. Th this is sad, guys. This is absolutely tragic. I mean, it, tears should, should probably be welling down many of our faces hearing that. I, I already <laughs> heard it once. This kid, he looks like he's probably 18 or so, uh, gets into the Capitol and um, you can hear his heart in that. Why, why did he go in? Because, and he says it for you in a very calm voice, we want them to know that we, we can't have a government like this. We can't have a government uh, that shoots the person that, that he held there. And there's a video of that. I'm not going to show it. We can't have them certifying a, fr a fraudulent election in his mind. That's why he went in, because he did not see any other means of recourse. And that was the last thing that he could do in his mind. And he wanted to tell them not to make this revolutionary move. And I use that word on purpose. Let's keep going. Now, this has happened many times. I could bring up tons of examples. I just bring up a few here. This kind of thing has happened many times. 2011, the Wisconsin Capitol for days. I guess was occupied by protesters. Um, you had in uh, this is um, in 2018. Uh, this is the Kavanaugh stuff. You had people in the Senate Office Building in Washington D.C. A bunch of uh, people against Kavanaugh confirmation got in there and were all, um, uh, you know, uh, protesting that. Um, and there's video of it. And then uh, here's port. You know, obviously everything that happened last year, all the different municipal municipal buildings. Here's one just from Portland uh, in May May 30th, 2020. This is what was happening there. I'm gonna talk about destruction. So this, I mean, I don't even need to, to give you many more examples of this. This happened all over the country because you, you remember it. Even though maybe down the memory hole it's supposed to go, you remember this. This, this, this wasn't ancient history. Did we have you know front page in the New York Times or any of that? No, we didn't. And I don't bring that up to make any excuse for what happened yesterday. I bring it up to just say that this is actually not uncommon as perhaps people are making it out to be like, this is such, this is, you know, the most uncommon thing that, that could ever happen. Well, not, not really. Actually, we've had may, way more serious um, uh, problems with this earlier in the year uh, on the state level uh, in many states. And you didn't hear condemnations from SBC leaders and, and, and that kind of thing, which is very telling guys again, um, look at what's being said and what's not being said. Now, here may be the most disturbing element of all of this. YouTube has just announced that due to the events of yesterday at the Capitol, they are moving up the timeline on election-related misinformation removals from the 20th to today. Videos claiming widespread fraud or error altered the election will receive a strike to be removed. That's half the country, guys. That's like almost half the country, probably. And YouTube is just, that's, they're going to just flip the switch. Here's Mark Zuckerberg. Shocking events of the last 24 hours demonstrate that President Trump intends to use his remaining time in office to undermine the peaceful and lawful transition, etc. Even though he said this morning that he wasn't going to do that, um, 
I'm not even going to read the rest, but the, the bottom line, they're, he's closing the president out of his social media. Twitter, same thing. Um, as a result of the unprecedented and ongoing violent situation in D.C., we, will, we are going to remove the last three of Donald Trump's tweets, which include his um, condemnation of any violence and telling protesters to go home. Here's um, a, he made a tweet condemning that, and then he made a follow-up tweet and said, these are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremonial, unceremoniously and vic- viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. Donald Trump said that, and that was yesterday, but he said it after a video conde- basically saying, go home. We, we support the police. We don't want violence, that kind of thing. And Twitter deleted the video. They left that part up, though. And that part, of course, is being condemned by Russell Moore, etc. I want you to hear those words, though, what he said. These are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. What's he trying to say there? And is there any legitimacy to that? Let's keep going. This is what I wanted to leave you with. This is, this is where I'm bringing all of this today. And this is where what I want you to consider. We're going to use Thabiti Anabwile's tweet to make the point. He said, when people marched in the streets this summer, they marched to make laws more just and equitable. When folks stormed the Capitol in insurrection, they trampled over the very citadel of law in a revolution that would destroy it. Do not equate these aims. Now, I just showed you some examples of revolutionary activity, you'd think, from earlier. I mean, go look at Chaz. I mean, is it, what do you, what's that? Um, here's, here's some definitions for you of revolutionary. Webster's 1828. In politics, a material or entire change in the constitution of government. Thus, the revolution in England in 1688 was produced by an abdication of King James II, the establishment of the House of Orange upon the throne, and the restoration of the constitution to its primitive state. Um, you have the current Webster's Dictionary, a sudden radical or complete change, a fundamental change in political organizations, especially the overthrow or renunciation of one's government or ruler and the substitution of another by the governed. Now, here, here's the thing, guys. Thibidi Anabwile says, no, this is a revolution what happened yesterday. But, you know, back in the summer, no, that was that was just they were they were trying to march against laws. Which laws, Thibidi? Which laws? Um this, this was also about laws. What happened yesterday was about laws. So, so what's, what's the problem in your mind? Here, it, it, so, so, and this, this, I think, characterizes the entire narrative right now, that what happened yesterday, uh, and, and, and they're using the, the examples that most of us didn't even know about. The, the vast majority of us who were there had no clue what was even happening. They're using those to then um, broad brush and say that, that everything that happened yesterday is Donald Trump's fault and it was revolutionary. Revolutionary. You just heard the definition of revolution. Was it revolutionary? Was it really revolutionary? That's the question. So here, here's some things that I want to, um, to, to leave with you. And then I'm going to read for you um, a take that I think is very good and uh, integrate some, some biblical, uh, some biblical uh, passages. But my question is, what happened then? And I, I posted here uh, a photo from 1946. Uh, it's, it's from a small town in Tennessee. And there was a situation there. 
in which some voter fraud was taking place in Tennessee. And uh, the local townspeople, most of them World War II vets, decided to do something about it. It's called the Battle of Athens. You can go look it up. Now, when I ask you, was that a revolutionary move that, and maybe some of it was, you have a car overturn there. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what led to that. But they, one of the things that they were concerned about was that there was an election and that the, the counts were being done, I think it was in a jail. And so they surrounded the jail and they basically went in and they forced a legitimate count. So they used force and there was funny business going on. That was the Battle of Athens so on a small scale, right? Is, was that a revolutionary move? All right. I want you to think about this. I want you to struggle with this. What happened then? What happened yesterday? It was not a planned thing for people to go inside that I am aware of unless there was some plan with uh, people that were posting you know, articles before it even happened that it was happening. Maybe there was some kind of a plan to try to stir up the crowd and get you know, the police to retreat, etc. But as far as those who are going to the Capitol, like the young man I just showed you, the only plan he had was to try to tell the legislature not to certify a fraudulent election. That was his only plan. There wasn't any kind of plan really past that. There wasn't any central figure. There wasn't any game plan. It was more or less a mob. That's not good. And that's wrong. And remember when I asked you earlier, think about the why of the situation. Here's the picture, by the way. I don't know if I showed it before. Um, think about the why of the situation. Why uh, would it be wrong for them to go in there and do what they did, those who made it in? And I think it's, it partially comes down to this. They don't have the authority of a lesser magistrate. They don't, there is no recognized orderly body that has a specific plan to go in there and do something uh, for a non-revolutionary purpose, for a law enforcement purpose, for a um, it, it, it ends up being a mob. It's leaderless. It's everyone doing what's right in their own eyes, even though they all had a vague sense of we want to go and you know tell them to stop the steal. That was why, that was, was one of the big reasons at least, why what happened yesterday uh, that is being touted everywhere as characterizing the whole event, that's why it was wrong. It was wrong because there was no legitimate authority there. It was a mob. Um, and it doesn't make it any better if it's you know not as bad as some of the mobs that happened last summer. We should have that sense of proportion. We should realize that. We should hold our own leaders in the church accountable when they uh, kind of wink and nod at that, but then they condemn, you know, without even hearing all the facts, what happened yesterday. But it doesn't make it right. What would have made something like that perhaps right? I want you to think about this. It was not a coup. Um, because there was no plan. <laughs> Without a, with a coup, you need a, some kind of a, a, a plan that you know we're going to go in there and we're we're going to uh, arrest these people, you know, who are fraud trying to certify this this fraud or something like that. That would have been um, a coup, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, we're going to take over the government. It's our government now. That might have been a coup, maybe. This is being called a coup. I don't see how 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 is this a coup. Um, I'm, they're being called terrorists. I'm not sure where the terrorism exactly is. Uh, maybe you could say because terrorists, it, 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 it made people terrified who were in 
But to be honest with you, I didn't even see a lot of that. People in the chamber didn't even seem terrified. If you watch some of the video, uh, the cops don't even seem that terrified. Um, it's they're, they they if they really wanted to come, they had a plan, and this is a coup, and they're going to be terrorists. They would have been a lot more prepared. Believe me, they would have had the weapons necessary, like Antifa does to uh, break everything they needed to break, and they, they would have gone haywire, and you didn't see that. And they were not incited by Trump. There's, there's nothing, I mean, the vast majority, if, if that was true, there wouldn't have been a capital. I mean, they would have, a million people, they would have stormed the place from all directions. So it wasn't that either. Um, so what was it then? What was it? It wasn't any of those things. I want to read for you this interesting take. <laughs> and I, I think it will give you something to chew on. And this is coming back to, I'm circling back to Christians who need to start asking themselves questions that they probably have not asked themselves and figuring out where they stand. Let me read this and then I'll close. My opinion about today, if you are interested... From what I'm seeing on every news channel I've watched, every station is condemning what happened today with the conservative stations comparing it to the BLM Antifa riots this summer. And the actions aren't even similar since these people have been orderly and didn't burn a police station like Seattle and Minneapolis or murder anyone like David Dorn was by BLM. Unfortunately, the stations are all missing the point. Similarity of action does not make something morally equivalent. For instance, killing in self-defense is right. But killing a spouse for their money is not. Today, there have been completely dissimilar reasons for these actions, making the behavior morally different. Over the summer, Black Lives Matter and Antifa burned, stole, and killed because they wanted to steal, destroy, and promote anarchy while undermining the legitimate United States government. Today, the protesters had waited for legal means to be pursued to resolve the election theft. And now that it is clear Congress will not recognize President Trump as the legitimate president, they have acted to try to save the legitimate U.S. government. If the election was stolen from Trump, then those violating law and order are the ones perpetuating the peaceful, sly coup of inaugurating Biden-Harris. True law and order after the courts and legislatures have been tried is to stand up even when it is dangerous to stop an illegitimate cabal from overthrowing the nation's legitimate government. By these stations ignoring that premise, they wrongly consider today's protesters as violating law and order instead of as being the last people to support the true law of the land. Many Americans have a sad naivete in which they praise the revolution of 1776 that gave them this nation and then either don't recognize the need or don't have the moral courage for the righteous violence that is sometimes necessary and moral to maintain that nation against enemies. For Christians especially, they should look to the book of Judges. Ehud, assassinating King Eglon of Moab by God's command. Gideon, by God's command, leading a rebellion against the Midianites and executing their kings. And Jehoiada, the priest's revolution against an execution of Queen Athaliah, 2 Kings 11. Also look to Ecclesiastes 3, a time to kill, a time to tear down, a time to throw stones, a time to tear apart, a time to speak, a time for war. Now that's probably not what everyone wanted to hear me read. Those aren't my words, those are someone else's. 
I want you to think about them though. And I want you to ask yourself the question again, what happened yesterday? Was it revolutionary? Because I think that's an important question. Or were the real revolutionaries inside the Capitol voting to certify a fraudulent election? Which one was it? Was it the men in boots outside the Capitol trying to get in to tell to people in suits not to certify? Or was it those in suits? Who are the real revolutionaries? And I think the question, the answer is obvious. The real revolutionaries, if you want to talk about a revolution yesterday, it did not come from outside the Capitol building, but from within. And if that is the case, then what means of recourse ought we to have? Would it be submitting to government rightfully, the rightful government, to try to stop that sort of thing using force if necessary? That's a question I think Christians need to start asking. And this is mob violence is wrong. It's wrong to uh, to storm somewhere uh, like that without any kind. There's no plan. There's no legitimate authority. What if there was legitimate authority? What if um, there there was? Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna specify this. I'm already uh, dancing on the uh, the edge here. But what if there was some kind of a legitimate authority saying? Um, go in there and stop them from committing a revolutionary act. Now, I'm not answering that for you. I, I have my own ideas on that. Uh, and I'm not saying yes or no uh, to that specific scenario. I've been very clear on what I think for a long time. I think we're post-constitutional. I think the purpose of the Constitution was to secure uh, civil rights, civil liberties. Um, I think the, the purpose was also uh, for a mutually defensive and uh, networking for trade, etc., uh, arrangement between the parties to it, which are the states. And I think the recourse, the natural recourse, ought to be secession. It's the peaceful. It should be peaceful. Um, secession never uh, should should never be um, not peaceful. It should always be peaceful. It's it's what people do when when a state secedes or a country secedes that becomes the the violent part. It's not the secession itself. But uh, but this has been peacefully done in play in Eastern Europe and. Uh, I mean, look, the, uh, all the states seceded from the Articles of Confederation to form the Constitution. They said we seceded from Great Britain. There was some, uh, there was a war over that. But that is, I believe, what people should be looking at. And they should have been looking at it, I think, for a very long time. If you want a peaceful solution, if it, then, you know, if you're in a relationship and the spouse uh, keeps cheating, most people uh, think that, well, that's, a, that's an arrangement uh, that the, the, the agreement has been nullified in some way. Or if you want to pick a different agreement, um, I know some people think that, that that should never be nullified in any way. Pick a different one. Pick um, you know, a business relationship and it's no longer mutually beneficial and you guys hate each other. You know, you've, go your separate ways. And that, that is often a peaceful remedy for these kinds of situations. And I've been pretty clear that I think that makes more sense. You have the mad, lesser magistrates there, legitimate authority is there. Um, local control is, is in human, and it's better for human scale. You have more say in that kind of a government anyway. Uh, I'm not saying it's perfect. I mean, there's, there's, that's a hard thing too. I mean, if you have states that start making their own, um, you know, uh, country, then uh, does that, you know, is the Chinese Communist Party gonna come in and take over the whole thing? It's an open question. But 
you, you can't, the two sides that exist now are so diametrically opposed. People like Al Mohler trying to, uh, to using the unequal weights and measures to run cover for, uh, or, or, or just uh, to, to, to be really harsh on one side and then to kind of nuance or, or even uh, partner with the other side, it's just not gonna work. You can't straddle that fence anymore. It's not, you're gonna have to choose a side. Uh, that's, that's the situation we're in. These, they're diametrically opposed, mutually exclusive sides. So that's, that's where I've been. Um, I think that uh, there, are, there are other, um, that, that, that is the most peaceful uh, recourse that we have, but uh, do I think it'll happen? Probably not, probably not. I don't think we have men that have the backbone anymore uh, in, in many states. And maybe I'm wrong, we'll see what happens. But we do know that uh, when, if and when Joe Biden becomes the president, we are on course for the Great Reset. And I've talked about that on this show. And so I, need, I think um, hopefully that's given you some things to think about today. Uh, and, and looking through your Old Testament, reading through some of the things God has commanded, thinking about uh, secession, thinking about um, whether or not it is right to use force in certain situations, uh, even. I think those are good things for Christians to be thinking about right now and getting a grip on moving forward. And so that's what I want to leave with you. I know it's more questions than answers. But these are the questions that need to be asked. And, and I often think that Christians have a hard time with this because, like I said, we're, we've been so used to a government influenced by Christianity that churches have been left alone. Christians have more, more than, you know, left alone for the most part. Uh, and, and those days are changing. Those days are changing. So um, God bless you all. And uh, even if you disagree with some of the things I said in this video, I'm, I'm just thankful that you listened. Uh, I wish nothing uh, and, and pray for nothing um, but peace and the Lord's blessing, um, but I don't know exactly what that will look like, and I don't know if those prayers will be answered in the ways that I would want them answered. Uh, we've had a good run in this country, and it's been a beautiful journey, and I know, uh, like most of you, I don't want that journey to end. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I, feel like I, I showed up a little late to the game being uh, the age that I'm at. And the prospect of raising children is a hard one, but you, you need to realize that uh, families have been raised in, in Russia during the Soviet era, in the China, um, in all sorts of places where it's difficult. And God keeps his remnant. Uh, there are certain things that will never be stamped out, no matter how much technology is used against us, but we, we must take a stand. We must be bold. These are not the times to shirk away from our responsibilities. You must be the man. Uh, if, you're, if, you're a, if you're a man and you're a husband and you're a father, you need to, you need to, to stand up. You need to be able to protect your family. You need to be um, getting involved in your local, um, not just your local church, your local uh, politics on some level. And that, look, everyone's so busy. I understand. Um, but I would say assess your life. This is the time for New Year's resolutions. Assess your life. Uh, what kinds of things, well, cut out the fat. What kinds of things are not necessary? And then what kinds of things can you do to leave a legacy for your children? And not just yours, but others. So I'd encourage you to think about that. I hope this was helpful for you. God bless. And, and I mean this sincerely. I hope you have a good weekend and a wonderful Lord's Day. Bye now. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.